back to the third phase. The boys are back. It's been a while. Boys, how are we? Good, mate. Happy to be here. <laughs> bit of bit of a sabbatical from the boys, but we've decided to get back on the on the mics, talk about talk about things, talk about what's been going on. Probably more recently, which you may have already seen, big announcements. Well, really, the only one who was going to have an announcement uh, on media, uh, Lima uh, announcement signing with. Leon, man, congratulations. I guess the first question would be, to the closest 10 million, how much are you getting paid, bro? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nine. <laughs> Probably how's your time been in the UK? Uh, I think everyone's you know, reading all these, there's all the media's having their own take, but you know, kind of what's been your honest assessment of your time so far in the UK? Yeah, I think I think uh, I think I have really enjoyed it. It's been a it's been a really tough process, and especially initially, I think coming over here and um, you know not really playing that well personally, and then the club not sort of being in a in a really good place. I think, and I think that all just kind of affected me in in ways that I didn't think it would, but. I look at my time now and I'm actually pretty grateful for the for the hardships I guess and for the roller coaster it has been. I think those things tend to teach you more than, you know, when you when you win and when you when everything's going smooth. So I think all those lessons and sort of those ups and downs of of this time here uh will definitely put me in good good stead for for France and not only on the field but off the field, but have made some awesome mates here and made some good memories. Obviously, getting to hang out with uh, you two jokers, and you know we we did an awesome trip to uh, to LA and Toronto, uh, which was pretty special. And I probably wouldn't have been able to do that if I wasn't on this side of the world. So, you know, there's been some there's been some pretty awesome things go on in my life since since I since I did come here. You know, got. Two UK-born daughters, uh, which is crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, I, I would have loved the rugby to have gone a little bit better. Uh, but it hasn't all, all been uh, bad um, as well. I, I think there's been some, just been very patchy, uh, and I would have liked to have been a bit more consistent. But you know, hey ho, such as life, eh? You know why? Why Leon? Or you know, were there some other options on the go? Or you know, kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit. How you know, what's that process like? Yeah, it was. Um, there was there was a, a few options. You know, other options in France, and uh, there was actually an option to go home. Um, and and we thought about that as well. And it was. Uh, I guess it just came down to what we thought was going to be best for our family, and 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 what we thought was going to maybe help us when rugby finished and. Um, I think probably going and and starting fresh in in France was probably something that we we looked at um, initially, and we probably brushed it to the side, and we just thought, ah, oh, we'll just go home. But as sort of the time went on, and, and you know, myself and Miriam had a had to think about things. Uh, we just thought maybe a new experience was what we needed, and something that might that we might really enjoy and I guess we we don't know what we don't know and we don't know how how France would 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 be it unless we tried it so 
uh, it was very tempting to go home and we would have loved to have gone home. But uh, yeah, just, just kind of didn't work out um, the way we would have liked it to work out and the time frame that we had. So uh, Leon have been awesome, to be fair. They, they actually chased me um, last year to, to leave, to cut my contract early and, and leave uh, WASP. But, you know, I'd said no and wanted to kind of stick it out here and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, finish what I started. And, and uh, you know, the, the stars aligned that I'm now heading to a place that I had uh, originally said no to. So yeah, that's kind of kind of where I was at, and uh, it's, it's a new challenge and and something that I think me and the girls really look forward to and and embrace. I think that's probably something that we uh, struggled with um, coming to England, but the lessons learned here will uh, definitely help us in France. Looking at your time in the UK, the ups and downs. What lessons do you think you'll take to Leon with you in terms of? I suppose integrating and playing and all, all of that stuff, both on the field and off the field. I think it's being more open-minded. I, I came straight from New Zealand um, in, in the systems that I played in for, you know, sort of nine, ten seasons. And New Zealand was just ingrained in me. You know, the way that <laughs> we play the game down there is totally different from the way we play up here. And, and I think that was probably uh, something that I found hard to adjust to. So just knowing that when you go to France, like forget everything that you've learned, like this is the French way and, you know, you should embrace how they, you know, train and the way that their systems are or, you know, their way of life as well. So I think that's something that we definitely have learned, both me and Miriam, is that, uh, you know, forget your life back in New Zealand. Like it, it's it's an awesome place to come from, but things are done differently on the side of the world, and I think that's what uh, what we'll take into heading to France is just embrace the culture, embrace change, and um, embrace you know the the new style of rugby. And uh, how's your French sounding at the moment, mate? You've been doing some French lessons. <laughs> Bonjour, ça va? Ça va très bien. I've actually been trying to learn um, on my daily commutes to work. It's it's sort of a 20-minute drive uh, from my house to work. So I chuck on uh, my coffee break French lessons on on Spotify. And I, that's, they usually go run for about 20, 25 minutes. Um, so chuck one on there, chuck one on when I get back, but Sometimes it just goes all over my head, eh? um, and it's just it's just too much for me to handle. So, and uh, one of the boys, Zuzu, who's who spent about seven years in in France, um, he always tries to talk to me in French now. Just like says random sentences, and I'm just like, "What the hell is he talking about?" And he just looks at me like, "Bro, you should understand." I'm like, "Oh man, I'm in for a." Uh, a rude awakening when I get to France, but I am trying. I am trying. That's all you can do, I guess. So I just wanted to, like I said, pull back the curtain a little bit on some of the contract stuff. You know, someone who's not going to be playing at that level or ever be presented a contract in this way or what the normal person doesn't go through. You know, what is the process when you are going to seek a new contract? So now this is your second and it will now be your third team going to Leon. You know, is you know what, what is that like? Is it as simple as going, you know, hey, Mister Agent, 
you know, I want to leave or it's time for me to leave, go knock on doors. How, what does that, you know, kind of run us through that? Yeah, so essentially uh, you kind of get the vibe from the kind of the current club that you're at, uh, whether you're going to get re-signed or not. Uh, and so, you know, it got to, what, January this year and usually teams over here are probably starting to sign up sign up guys and I hadn't heard anything from the club and that, that's usually a telltale sign whether um, a club wants to keep you or not and uh, you know that there was no sort of open communication um, about staying 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 here so you know you accept that um, because rugby is a business and, and you understand that as a player so that's when you um, talk to your agent or whoever you have working for you to go to go and explore your options and um, and that's exactly what I did. I just said, you know, obviously you boys know uh, Hobbsy, Michael Hobbs. He's he's the one who who helps me and he just went out there and um, I said I'll I'm happy to go to. I, I actually try to go to Japan, but because of what happened over there um, with their season starting late and the pandemic. Um, they, they, for some reason, their their recruiting process over there in Japan just kind of just went went silent, and that was across the board. So uh, Japan was wasn't really a goer, and um, yeah, UK. I think I was kind of like, ah, oh, not really keen on any more cold weather. So I was just, I was like, oh, oh man, do I stay here? And then I was like, oh well, it, you know, what do you do after that? You either go to go to France or, or, or go home and, um, you know, you boys would know this this lockdown and this pandemic's been pretty hard, uh, mm. not just, you know, not just for us, but, you know, for everyone on the side of the world. And I don't, I don't think people back home, back in NZ, really realise the magnitude of how that's affected people and stuff like that. So I think, um, you know, through this sort of year-long process of the pandemic, I think we were leaning more towards heading home. And so Hobbsy, I just said, get me home. Um, I don't care about, you know, the money, whatever, just get me home. Um, and and we did have a we, – we tried for a long time to get home and it, and it kind of probably just eventuated a bit too late. And then, and then there were French deals um, and he, he just went out pretty much and – just got a few offers and then we talked through the pros and cons of how, you know, of uh, each contract and, and whatnot. And we made a sort of calculated decision and that's pretty much what happens really is you kind of know that, okay, I'm going to stay at this club or I want to stay. So you'll go to this club and be like, yeah, we're going to stay. Okay. Negotiate, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then, either sign or the line or, you know, okay, I'm not going to be needed here. I better go find a job. And that's as simple as it is really when it comes to professional contracts. I think for me, I'm probably in a pretty lucky position where I've, I, I play, well, I don't play at the moment. I don't play team, <laughs> but I, I do play, you know, I, I play first five and um, those, those positions are probably, you know, one of the key positions and, and hard to find people with, solid experience so for me that's worked in my favor because i think um 
there will be always be sort of gigs out there as long as I stay fit and stay healthy and stay on the park. But that's as simple as it is. You, you just kind of put your name in a hat and let people know around the world um, that you're available. And then clubs will be like, oh, yeah, we need a 10 or, you know, no thanks. And, you know, lucky enough, uh, Leon were, were still keen on me, even though I'd uh, said no because I wanted to go home. But, um, yeah, fortunately enough for me and the girls, they hung around and that's where we're going to head. How crucial is that? Is that agent relationship? Because I know um, Hobbsy isn't your first agent and you've changed over time. I guess how important is that? And then, you know, I guess you know, what were some of the reasons that some of the ones didn't work out before or why you chose to move? You know, was it, was that just part of your journey? Yes, it was just part of the journey and kind of understanding as you're getting a bit older to this age, you kind of realize that uh, you probably don't need agents as much as you think you do. And uh, I think with Hobbsy, it's, you know, there's more of a, a friendship and like an actual um, uh, between me and him, it's not really a business kind of thing. Um, we're more, we're more mates and I know that he's got, he's got my back and he's got my best interests at heart. And, and that's probably what you want and someone who's going to look after you and make sure that you've got the best offers available because, you know, um, I think sometimes what can happen is, these agents might um, say there's there's no offers, but you know they've got a whole stable of players, and that offer might have gone to another player. If if you get my drift, mm. um, within their stable, you know what I mean. So it's always hard to know. Um, I guess as I've gotten older, it's just you you become aware of uh, sort of the the pitfalls, I guess, of of the game and and what you learn and and things like that around sort of uh, agents and, and things like that. And there's some, like a, there's some really, really awesome agents out there and some guys who, who, who do a fantastic job for, for their players. And there's also some really, some out the gate freaking cowboys who, who do some dodgy ass <laughs> stuff, you know, and it's actually really sad to see um, because a lot of the time it's the, the island boys um, who get taken for a ride. So, yeah, it was it was um, yeah having someone who you trust and uh, who you think has got your best interests at heart is always is always key. And I'm I'm pretty lucky to to have that um, now with Hobbsy. Yeah, I guess that is. I mean, it's just quite a low barrier of entry for a lot of these. Um a lot of these agents, an interesting story, which happened quite recently, you know, different sport, but, um, and just to your point around, you know, plays not necessarily needing agents as much. Um, I think there's probably still a need for them, but especially when, uh, when players are just renewing their contracts. So Kevin De Bruyne, who's a, one of the, you know, one of the best players in the world, footballers in the world who plays for Man City, he just recently renewed his contract for another, I think, five years with uh, with Man City. Holy heck. But he decided to do it, yeah, decided to do it with no agent. So you know, we're talking hundreds of millions of pounds, no agent. But what he done instead was go to a uh, sports analytics company. So worked with him. He had him, his dad, 
the lawyers obviously look over the contract. Uh, and then these data guys who'd come kind of presented to uh, Kevin and gave him the data to then they then presented to Man City and said, okay, the, this is, I've been playing for you now for seven years. This is the value that I've um, shown and the championships have won and what I've um, kind of analytically, um, how I've made this team better. And then this is how my future value will show, you know, I'm 29 or whatever he is. And then, you know, this is my kind of upside and blah, blah, blah. And that was the way they negotiated his renewal. So, you know, I think there's no doubt that that, is going to come into the game more. I think, especially in those renewal discussions, um, you know, as opposed to probably agents who have some of the more con- contacts across the board. But it will be very. Uh, I, it's hard to not see that happening in the in the future. Um, and kind of a lot of guys following in his his footsteps, especially with those footballers, because you know those agent fees are like fifty, sixty million. So it cuts out a lot of the money for the clubs and um, and the player, which they can probably get some of that. So. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Though you know, there there is a um, there is a space for an agent uh, for sure. But I think you know what you saw in Kevin De Bruyne is, you know, he probably just understood his value and understood the game after he'd gone through that process yeah. since he was what 18 years old. So you know, when you're when you're first young and you don't know any better, you just oh yeah, sweet, I'll go with this guy. Um, mm. He does X, Y, and Z. Oh yeah, sweet, sweet, sweet. But then, as you know, like I've, I've, you know, we've all heard or seen those terrible stories about agents who have, you know, been shady and um, and whatnot. You know, there's uh, frick, what's that? What's that Kiwi guy's name? Elijah Nico, league? was it? Who was the pl- who was the player? Is um, is it Elijah Nico? Is oh, name? Elijah Taylor. Nah, Elijah, no, Taylor, Elijah Taylor. Sorry, Elijah Taylor. Sorry, yeah, yeah, got it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a purist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Prime example, way. Eh? You know, prime example of an agent like stealing all his money and uh, to the to the tune of hundreds of thousands of, of of dollars. The agent was essentially topping up credit cards and withdrawing money for his bank account and saying it was going was it to his savings? I can't quite remember, but he was purchasing that motorcycles, going on holidays. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, th- you know, in that Kevin De Bruyne case, you know, he's obviously gone through it all with his agent and he's probably like, oh, this is probably my last contract. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. and he's probably like, oh, why do I need an agent for this? I want to stay. You know, Man City probably want him to stay. And that it's just kind of like, okay, let's just find a price or, you know, find a deal that works for both parties and mm. let's shake hands and, and get it done. Um, so in that case, I think it's it's fairly straightforward. Um but yeah, you know, I I think in this game because rugby is so small and and uh, the world of rugby, you know, um, like I said, is so small that you could you could probably uh, throw your name in the hat anywhere. You know, if you you know, we all know. Well, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to play off a lot of guys who um, are now into coaching. You know, so I could you know a quick message could be like, hey, um, you know, such like. Ross Filippo, he's a coach at um, who's now coaching in in Hamilton, and he messaged me just off Instagram saying, "Hey, bro, I, I heard you might be coming home. Would you consider uh, coming and playing up in the Tron?" You know, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm coming home, but I'm not going to play in Hamilton." <laughs> you know, like <laughs> who's going to live in Hamilton, bro? Fuck, yeah. you know? um, but you know, just like that, for instance, you know, I played with. Uh, Floss when I first 
started out when I was 18 and, you know, here we are just over Instagram potentially, you know, could potentially get a contract to go and play back home. And and that's kind of, I guess, with the world being so small now through social media and and just, you know, contacts and, you know, you kind of meet people along this this road, it becomes easier and easier to sort of get gigs if you if you just know the right people and um, yeah it can just formulate from that I think sometimes and when you're like looking at clubs say like when you're looking at wasps or in this instance Leon what's your vetting process like through your agent are you like hey bro I need you to confirm that there's a solid culture or do you have like zoom call with the with the coaches or, or how does that all work bro from like your when you say weigh out pros and cons how does that work from your side in terms of your due diligence? Yeah, so the Leon deal was because um, I didn't really want to go to France initially. Yeah. You know, I've heard some pretty cowboy stories from out those days. They say it's the Wild Wild West, but you also get some amazing stories where guys say that they've, they've loved it. So it's just a matter of going out there and trying it for yourself. But, you know, our process was – was pretty straightforward with Leon because I had already uh, talked to Kenny Lynn, who I had played with at the Highlanders. Sorry, uh, back. Yeah, back in 2011. Um, so I knew that he was there, and so we kind of jumped on the phone, and and it was an easy conversation to have with him because he's now like the backs coach or pretty much the assistant coach, and um, he just talked me through the sort of where the club wants to go and and how they see me fitting there and, and whatnot. And I know a few guys who are there, like uh, Jordan Toffo was there, Charlie Ngatai, uh Toby Lin's there. And then they got, um you know, uh, Tui Sova. Tui Sova's there. Uh, not that I know him, but I don't want to be tackling him. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know he's in my team rather than, you know, in another team. But... I guess, uh, yeah, you just have those conversations. I had that conversation with, with Kenny around sort of what's it like. And, um, I, you know, I, I spoke to Jordan, who's over there, and he, he said that he really enjoyed, you know, the time that he was, that he is there. And he's only been there a couple of months, but he just said it was an awesome place to be. And you just you just talk to sort of those guys over there and get the feel and, and – other guys, you know, spoke to, spoke to uh, Victor Vito and uh, Kubalo and other guys who are in France. Mm. Just ask them about their own experiences. And, you know, they give you pretty hard and honest feedback. But, you know, one thing they always say is you just got to come with an open mind and embrace the culture. And there's certain things that gonna you're going to really scratch your head at. And there's certain things you're going to absolutely love about the place. And that's kind of how it went for us. We just kind of just thought about the pros and cons of, of, of trying it out. And, yeah, we, we just went for it. And, uh, you know, Leon have been uh, very, very good to me in, in terms of the deal they've given me and, and, and what it entails. And, you know, I get to go home in uh, June or July for three months. And then I get to come back, you know, feeling refreshed after seeing family. You know, I haven't been home for for three years, which has been pretty tough. And um, that was probably one of the reasons why um, I said no to Leon a, a few times was that um, it got pretty hard over here for us um, being so far away from home and away from our support networks that we were just wanting to go home. But uh, we sat down and thought about it and 
and sort of weighed up the pros and cons and you know nappies ain't cheap you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and uh you've got three little girls running around now so you know you also got to think about them but i i think with leon they've they've got a really good um they've got the bones of a what could potentially be a championship winning team and just need a few more pieces to the puzzle and hopefully i can be one of those centerpieces and and you know challenge for top 14 and for um sort of european glory and that's that's what we're going over there to do is going over there to not really to drink red wine and eat baguettes but yeah me and fear do that for you mate <laughs> uh and you know when you fast forward what three months out of quarantine what's uh what are you going for what's the first meal or you know what's your what's your breakfast lunch dinner looking like coming out of quarantine mate mm. oh mate it's, you you got to go to the local bakery don't you yeah. and some cheese yep. with, a, with a can of v and uh <laughs> and a jam donut surely <laughs> yeah you got to go for that and then uh for lunch well, it's the middle of winter, but I'll still be swimming at the beach. I haven't seen the beach for bloody about a year and a half now. So I think uh, if it's a nice winter's day and the sun's out, you know, you've got to stop at the local fish and chip shop. And, uh, Any, anyone in particular you to shout out or no? Uh, I think there's one in Batonio. I don't know if it's still there, but uh, it was when I was there. Uh, fish Boys, apparently it's okay. hissing. Well, I was hissing when I was there. I don't know if it's still there, but um, you know, hope hopefully, praying that it's still there. Um, and then for dinner, uh, I think I want to go to a uh, to a food court and get the the humble butter chicken, eh? <laughs> nice. Oh, <bro>. <laughs> <laughs> see, man. Oh, no, Eating oh, cinemas. <laughs> sounds sounds good. Uh, moving on, um, some good rugby over the weekend, and probably. To almost justify some of your decision making, the European rugby was on over the weekend. English teams no long, no more English teams into the semi-finals, so only three French teams and Leinster in. So that's quite, quite interesting to see how that will um, that will land. But I guess it just shows the strength of that. Um, I know you know we've criticised it ourselves, you know the, the top fourteen, but it still shows that they're quite strong against um, uh, against you know the European counterparts uh but what i wanted for us to talk about was uh super rugby so quite uh an interesting couple of games over the weekend with the canes and crusaders and the landers and the chiefs with some rule changes come in this year super rugby aotearoa one of the big ones in there was the golden point rule and they had not seen it up until friday uh, and then on the weekend probably thankfully it was quite good watching was we'd we'd seen them both on both games your assessment, you know, that's really seemed to be adopted from, um, you know, the rugby league cousins over in Australia uh, in the NRL, the Golden Point. Fans, not fans, as purists, you know, especially you, Tuppers, you know, what's your what's your feeling on Golden Point? Is it here to stay? Nah, mate. Nah, nah, I love it, eh? I love it. I reckon it's good. Like, I think in terms of, you know, like just a product, entertainment, like dra- dramatics, you know, you saw Damian McKenzie get two shots at goal and then nail one in an extra time. And then obviously Havili with his drop goal, you know, like I think it's, it, it creates for good drama and good entertainment. You know, I think it's good for the fans, good for the players. And particularly when you look at it as such a compact competition, like you need results, you know, like Super Rugby Aotearoa is a lot more compact. You need results to determine winners, et cetera, because it's so, such little teams, you know, so I think it's important. I love it. I love it for it. 
Yeah, I, I agree, Toppers. You know, as as players, you know, I'm just looking at it from a selfish point of view as a player. Like, I think back to 2017 when uh, the ABs drew with the Lions in that Thank last you. series. Like, we're all sitting in the crowd. Like, is that it? It's just a draw. Like one test and then it just finishes on a draw. You know, I, for a lot of us in both camps and both of us. We're saying that sort of in the after matches when we were, when we were chatting, you know, a lot of us were saying, you know, we would have rather have played, played and found a winner, even if one of us had lost. You know, it's it's it's, it's a bit rank kind of just looking up at the scoreboard and it's a draw. You can't. It almost feels like a loss, like you've you've both yeah. lost. You rather it's just real play. confusing one, eh? Yeah, at least you know if you if you play, you've put your name in the hat, and you know. If it goes your way, your happy birthday. If you don't, oh well, it's better than it's not better than a draw, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're playing a win rather than playing it just for a draw and carry on. You know what I mean? So, if I was to make one uh, adaptation to the rule, it would be that um, it actually wouldn't finish. It would finish only on a try. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it'd go to yeah, as golden go. point, but you know, so but it would run the was it ten minutes. It would run the 10 yeah. minutes, but it would only stop if a team scored a try. And then that... Where do you draw the line, though, after the 10-minute period? Or? Yeah, you can still score a penalty. You know, like, you could still go for the kick. And then... But then that, that the other... There's still game to be played, do you know what I mean? Rather than... Uh, rather than, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, what... It, yeah. You know what it sucks is that, and it, could, it nearly happened on the weekend, but it, you know it kind of worked out in the end where team gets kicks off, gets of, and then just gets penalty into the game. But you know you'd almost yeah. still, you know, we've seen a tussle for eighty minutes, and then we've just it's just ended fairly sharply. That, that's just my, and then I think at the end of the ten minutes, if they've won by the penalty, then they've won. You do know what I mean? But a try yeah, would try be tries definitive. Okay, yeah. Try was almost yeah, that's that's probably my one. Uh, but I like, I like it. it. I like it. I think it's a great, um, a great rule. But that'd be, if, you know, if there was any, you know, if I could submit any feedback, that'd be my, uh, that'd be my like feedback that. to the uh, NZI. So you're saying, so you're saying a team could kick two penalties, two penalties, but if the, so I think it still goes like it, if it, yeah. what I mean is like you know on the weekend they uh, Damien McKenzie hit the penalty and then the game was over. But rather if it was me, he can still hit the penalty because they want to go ahead, right? They want to, yeah, they want to get the points lead. But the game still plays on to the end of the ten minutes, so the Highlanders and th- would have had a chance to um, to either score a try or even draw it up, and it could still finish on a draw at, yeah. at ten minutes. But you know, you know, you know how that happens. So you keep playing, and then say say a team kicks two penalties to go ahead, and then a team scores. Does that mean the game finishes, or you keep going? Yeah, good point. Ten minutes. I've, now you've you now you're try. picking holes in my yeah. theory, but. Uh, <laughs> no, no. You know, no, that's a good, that's a good, that, yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. So no, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that's, yeah, good point. Uh, but you did or, say that if you scored the try, then you'd win, but then it's kind of like, yeah, but if they've scored know, two penalties, yeah, I've not thought about that far. It obviously shows why it's I don't like, play. Ah, last try, last try wins. <laughs> yeah, more of a last try wins, you know, that's kind of where, where that's where my thinking's come from that, you know, a classic lunchtime or, you know, with your cousins or mates on the weekend and then you're losing hundred nil, but it's not whoever calls last try wins. They, they seem to win the game, so that that's where my thinking has come from. It's not really that thought out, but um, I think it's good though the incentivization because, like when I watch NRL and you watch Golden Point, like it's all just geared towards a drop goal, you know, and you kind of like lose the. I'm just really thinking from a 
casual, you know, from a fan's perspective, we we want we want to see tries, you know. So that's yeah. so rather than like guys shaping up for a penalty or or milking, you know, uh, you know, because I think I think part of me thinks, okay, if we shift this rule and move it to the um, to, and this is well, it is a criticism of the north, but um, you know, do we see teams uh, try milk scrum penalties? And the last thing I want to see is more scrums. Do you know what I mean? As a fan, yeah, because it, but it's equally dominant scrum. Dominant teams who have a good scrum will, yeah. uh, can can manipulate those scenarios. And so I think yeah. that's what it doesn't happen in Super Rugby because just there's, there's almost not their mentality towards that. But do I see it in kind of really bad weather in, in England or uh, you know in France or Ireland or wherever it is? Um, you know that that scenario playing out. So that that's kind of part of it too. I think, but. But no, I think yeah, I think we're all in agreement. It's um, it's here to stay. It's a good good part of the game. Probably a good thing that that um, bit of innovation into the into the game, and especially going back the the last game, which was uh, you know unfortunate, you know, being for Wellingtonians that the Canes couldn't pip the Crusaders, which were they came so close. They played well for a lot of that game. A person we've been talking about for months months now or more than more than a few months almost a year now is yes. um is Ruben Love who's you know kind of a uh, has been a high school star New Zealand school star and even a, a representative cricketer for New Zealand and he had his debut on the weekend let's not forget it's only one game and he's, he's still got a future ahead of him so let's not judge him on this but you know what what's what was the assessment of him and how he went on the weekend I thought he was um I thought he was really good you know, and I thought the guys around him really provided him with a solid platform. I know I'm from the game, watching the game, Geordie Barrett really took a lot of responsibility and, you know, you just saw how confident the kid was when he had his first touch of the ball, you know, dives on it, makes a break, kicks it, you know, chip and chase. So he's got, he, he's got talent, you know, and he's got, he's got so much um, upside to him. He just he just needs time in the saddle. Um, that's all. And I think probably if you have someone like TJ Pedernada come back, um, I think his just his games, you know, starts to go up. But to play play six minutes and then play against a Crusaders team and probably play against Richie Moonga, who's probably, you know, arguably the best five eight probably in the world at the moment, or, you know, definitely in that top three. Um, conversation. I think he's uh, he's definitely a bright future, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do for the Hurricanes. What did you think, Soppers? Like Geordie Barrett took a lot of responsibility. Like, if you think back to your debut game or even your experiences, what like is that helpful? Or is it man just like let me loose? You know, like I said, when I was looking at, it, I was like, oh, I would. Love to see him get a bit more opportunity to like clearance kick exits and stuff. I understand they're probably taking trying to take pressure off, but like from your perspective, what do you think? I just think, yeah, I think what they did there was was definitely the right thing. Is you know, like in that first kind of game or two, you could probably make or break, you know, a, a, a young kid kid's confidence. Um, but I think he's got confidence. You know, he's, he's full of confidence. Uh, you just saw the way he ran and took the line on and had a few nice touches. Uh, you know, you're, you're playing against a very, very outstanding Crusaders team. So the more pressure you can take off him to begin with, I think 
he starts to grow into the game and, and get into it eventually. And as he plays more games, you know, his confidence will grow and things like that. But I think, you know, just from the outside looking in and sort of being in that situation myself uh, before, you you don't want to break someone's confidence um, too early. Yeah. Um, and I think that was probably, you know, Geordie Barrett, international player, probably the best fullback in New Zealand right now. Um, what better guy to be able to sort of lean on and 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 use during the game? Um, so yeah, I, I, that that's my opinion on it. Yeah, fair, fair. And probably the most most telling part of the game was the winning play, which was David Harvili scored a really nice. Nice drop goal playing at second five on the weekend, but we've seen him play anywhere from ten all the way to fifteen, uh, and and does it does it super super well. You know, we posted it on the weekend. You know, we've had our own conversations about David Harvey for a long time. Compared him to uh, Devin Booker of the NBA again, another underappreciated, underrated uh, star who doesn't really get his flowers. You know, you know what's what's our take on David Harvey? You know, is he? You know, is, is there space for him in the ABs in the future? Or, you know, you know, and why do you think they don't see him in that light? Yeah, I think he's he's in this crop of like I think firstly you touched on it. He's played from ten to fifteen. You know, so it's it's that tricky spot where he's a utility. He's kind of like a, a jock of all trades, master of none. Not, and that's no disrespect to him, but it's um, he's in that tricky tricky position. I think. Like in terms of his game, man, he's really complete. He's slick, like and defend. Like I think he's such an underrated defender. You know, like when he defends at twelve, man, he is a rock. You know, like he's he's gone. But yeah, I've like in terms of next level, I suppose it's just how you split your bench or who you start with. You know, and he's just guilty of. Well, no, he's not guilty himself, but he's in this logjam of such talented outside backs, midfielders we have. You know, like you look across the board, it's like okay, who would you take him over or who do you drop? You know, and it's. Yeah, it's it's just that really tough conundrum. I know that's a bit of a politician answer, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I also think maybe injuries have played a part. Yep. You know, he's probably got injured at the wrong times when maybe his form was, you know, really pushing, knocking on that door. So he's had to, you know, start again, and and sort of, you know, other guys have come on the scene. You know, you look at guys like Will Jordan or or Caleb Clark, etc. And and he probably hasn't got that, uh, like where where do you want to play him, you know? Mm. But he he's played twelve, thirteen wing fullback, and he's killed it at all of them. Uh, so it's just we see him really, um, well, with a selector see him. You know, me personally, I I would like to see more of him in the black jersey. It's yeah. just who you take out to put him in or whatever. But if there was an outside back injury or a midfield injury or whatever, mate, he's the first guy that I'm I'm picking to to fill that spot. And I think give, if he gets that chance, I don't think he lets it go. And he was only yeah. sort of, um, you know, it was probably through more bad luck rather than poor form that um, he hasn't seen more more tests and that's, you know, through his, his injuries. What's your thoughts on, you know, the AB selectors almost, um, you know, rather than, you're kind of trying to maintain those that are already in there rather than, you know, you know, as in like it's harder to get in than it is to um, kind of get out, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and it's, I, I guess 
you know, unless there is injuries, you know, you've seen it um, from the All Blacks consistently. They tend to stick with the mm. with the crop that they've, you know, decided to go with, um, you know, nine times out of ten, you know, like you have to be playing, you know, through the roof and everybody's got to be talking about you, if, you know, and there's got to, for you to be able to break that sort of team kind of thing. So I think that's where it's at uh, for for Dave is that there's those guys. I wouldn't even say they were ahead of him, you know, in terms of his game and his talent. Do you know what I mean? Like, but there are guys in there who are part of that setup right now that will 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 still be in that setup or stay in that setup. And but I don't is... think it's due to his to his talent or how he plays. It's just. The, the All Blacks seem to be very loyal to to the group that they have and they, they stick with that pretty staunchly, um, you know, and unless there's sort of injuries or, you know, exceptional, exceptional form. To, to that point, to, to both of you and to probably finish us off, probably just over a mid-season review for Super Rugby coming to an end, do you have a bolter, you know, that stands out this year, you know, that does crack the, that does crack the ABs? It's the toppers will inevitably come up with someone, so, someone ridiculous, but um, <laughs> he's played thirty minutes. But yeah, any 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 thoughts? No one really like springs to absolute mind for me. I think it's just around. I think there'll be more bolters in terms of selections, two selected starters versus bench, etc. Mm. In my head now, like in similar to what you're saying, I think Geordie Barrett is either your starting fullback or he's he's not in my squad. You know, like I think. He's the one of the form, or he is the form fullback of the competition. But so it's like calls like that. It's like, do you start blooding? And I think in this, like we're two years out or whatever from a World Cup, like now's our time to start solidifying combinations, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't have anyone absolutely earmarked. Yeah, I think probably for me, I, yeah, I've not seen anyone who's, I think probably more so that no one's really regressed from the top. You know, the guys at the top have done what they do, you know, so no one's really kind of outside of injury. Take away Sam Kane and Artie, you know, there's still some guys really knocking on that door um, who are really in that group. But, uh, you know, I guess, Lemon, have you picked any bolters or you know what happens now in that loose forward camp now with Ards and, and Sam Kane out? Yeah, I think if I was, if this guy was fit and um, didn't get injured, I think he's he's definitely... Probably he's probably getting into that All Black squad, and that was uh, Falau Bakatava. I just think, yeah, he he was probably the guy that, for me, I don't know if you'd call him a bolter because he's he's probably been earmarked as um, the future mm. Uh, mm. for me. So if he wasn't injured, I, w- I would be saying him. But yeah, to your point about Sam Kane and Ards, that those are two big players that you're gonna miss. If if the tests go ahead, I don't know who you chuck there. I think you know there, there's multiple options. You probably give Hoskins uh, a fair crack at eight now. Um, if Artie's not available, and I don't really know much about sevens, but Dalton Papali'i, Dalton Papali'i, it seems yeah, to be the natural Dalton choice. Papali'i. I think in that space, probably give. Uh, 
Akita or uh, Shannon Frizzell have a real decent crack at, at six. Or you got Luke Jacobson. Luke Jacobson, well. I think, is yeah, who's, who's, putting who's his hand up as well. Great. So out of those three. Artie and Sam Kane are, are up there, and, but you're missing a lot of their leadership qualities, but they're definitely some talent knocking on the door for sure. T-Top is right, though. It's probably not any bolters per se. It's just who you're picking and what spots and the balance of your team. Personally, I would love to see... <clears throat> Nani be given the 12 jersey and just say you're our guy oh. like oh come on mate on your back when I told you that when I told you that in our trip to LA in our trip to LA in Toronto I remember standing on the balcony and you were, you were just like oh you know I'm just not sure I'm just not sure right, and I was banging on him, about mate. I was banging him. on about you just, oh mate how's it happening yeah he's yeah. <laughs> No, I really like this year. I know. I really like this year. He's brought a lot of distribution to his game and stuff, you know? Like, I I thought he could have been a bit more disciplined in the weekend, but he's playing a lot more complete now, you know? But uh, he's looking good. He's looking looking really good. I think your your combo in LA was, I think you had ALB at 12, and then you had uh, Braden Enoy at 13. 13. (laughs) My guy. I hope you're back soon, Braden, man. That was your your midfield combo. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, on yeah. that note, always been a fan, Nani. Always been a fan, Miles. I've backed you. I've backed you for a long time. These two mugs have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I came along a lot sooner. Yeah, no, but uh, no, he's he definitely deserves the twelve jersey. I think. Um, yeah, on that note, boys, thanks for tuning in. Been far too long between drinks, but uh, we'll we'll get back together soon. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, as always, please like, share, follow, whatever it is you do. Tell all your friends about it. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you guys soon. Ciao, ciao, boys. Thank sure. You.